is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Process Podcast. I am joined, as always, by my best friend, Nick Veronica. Nick, tell the people who we have today. Charlie, we are men of our word. Last week, you said it would be so cool if we could get the Banged Up Bills account on our podcast, and we delivered. We have Kyle Trimble with us. He's a doctor of physical therapy, and you know him on Twitter as at Banged Up Bills. So, Kyle, thank you for taking some time to join us here. Guys, thanks for having me on. This is going to be awesome to talk today. All right, so let's just get into your, your Twitter persona here. How did you become Banged Up Bills? What has that process been like? And just how did you get the idea to see something on TV and be like, that should be a Twitter account. Like, I should do that. How did that happen? It kind of came up with, I was frustrated with, with what I was seeing in the media. And I know, Nick, you're, you're a writer, correct? Yes, yes. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, no, no offense to any of the writers, but they just don't have the knowledge base of, <laughs> what the medical professional do. And that's just, that's just how it is. You guys are good at writing and conveying the message. And I was like, what I'm seeing isn't really what's going on or just, I, I wasn't pleased with how things were. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to think I could do something. So I reached out to a few publications and I wasn't getting the reception that I thought I would get because I was like, well, I am a PT. I know what I'm talking about this stuff. Maybe I could contribute. And it was kind of cricket. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to be like Cartman from South Park. Yeah. See you guys. Yeah. I'm doing my own thing or whatever his phrase was. So I started writing and I look back now and I realized I was out of practice. I wasn't very good with it, but I feel I've improved with it since then. But my goal is just to, you know, Hey, this is what I'm seeing out there. Um, this is what I think is going on. This is how long it's going to take. And it's really kind of just blown up, especially this past season. Like I've just getting a lot more people engaged with my page and, Twitter account and just people want to know what's going on because we know Sean McDermott is, as I've heard, walking Ambien. So he doesn't give you anything. So that's where I'm looking at video. That's where I'm looking at um, the reactions and how they're practicing and kind of putting together the pieces. Uh, and then I really started banging up bills because I was talking with Eric Turner with cover one, who I think everybody knows. And he goes, Hey, if you really want to build this, you guys kind of get your own separate thing with this. And then, that's kind of how that was all born, and it's been it's been a lot of fun since I began doing this back in 2017. All right, I will say that that's that's fair criticism against writers. I think uh, the amount of times I've heard people think a tear or a sprain in a pole are like super different from each other is, is kind of just a little bit funny. But um, all right, so that's it. So you've been doing this how many years now? Since 2017, so it's been my fourth season. All right, and I think people are, are probably familiar with uh, pro football doc, Dr. David Chow on Twitter, who was maybe uh, the original Twitter injury Twitter injury guy, the former Chargers doctor. Are you tied in with him? Yes, I am. So this was a stroke of luck. I had started following his account right before I really started doing this stuff. And he goes, hey, I'm looking for injury spotters for you know all across the league. So I shot my shot and sent him a message, and I – remember getting a call at like 1130 at night. I'm thinking, I'm sleeping. I'll, I'll get this later. <laughs> so he messages me. He goes, hey, I got your message. Let, let's talk. So I call him the next day on my lunch. And he goes, all I want you to do is send me the, the quarter, the uh, time, you know, so you can find it on the film. And just generally what your impressions are. And I'll kind of take it from there. So every Sunday, if I see an injury, hey, this is what's going on. You know, shooting a message that he gets his impressions out there and, he needs to retweet somebody else you know, but i just feed him the information because as you know you can't watch every single game but if you get the information hey that looks like it's something josh allen tremaine edmonds matt Lano, let's take a look at that 
you know, no offense to some of the, the depth guys, but they're not worried about the third string linebacker on the Bills. So he wants the guys going to be fantasy and betting relevant and try to get that mm-hmm. out to the, the masses because people do want to know that stuff. All right. Now let me ask you, just walk me through the process of you see a watch a play and they say, Oh, guys down. And then they show the replay. So t- talk me through, you know, how you kind of diagnose that. And obviously it's, it's through video. It's, it's sort of an estimate there, but it's an educated guess. And I I'll tell you when we had uh, yes. my brother, who's a physical therapist, we had him on the podcast before when we first saw Dr. Chow putting stuff out there, we're like, how can this guy possibly claim he knows this stuff from TV? But once you kind of work through it, there's a process that leads you to a pretty educated guess. Is that right? Like, just tell me your process. So like, like, you know, Matt was talking about and, and, you know, Dr. Chow does, you're looking at several different things. You're looking at, if you can get replays, you're looking at how the guy fell or what happened, what their reactions like. Now I don't always base everything off the reaction, but you start looking at what they're assessing on the field. You're going back and try looking at just the mechanism of injury because if every PT, chiropractor, doctor, what have you, could go back and look at how this person injured things in the first place, that could tell you a lot what to look at. So you're going back and look at the film. We're going to go off, uh, for example, an ACL tear. So you're looking for that valgus knee movement where the knee comes in. You're looking for that sudden pivoting, the knee giving out. And there's just a specific mechanism that you say that's tied to it. Not every movement is going to be an ACL tear when you see that, but there's a higher likelihood that that's going to be associated with that. You'll see see that with MCL tears, uh, uh, meniscus tears, but you start seeing that there's a correlation with those. Uh, Let's use a Josh Allen uh, video, for example. So when I was looking at that, he started shaking his hand at first. I'm thinking, okay, maybe his, his hand, that could be a finger injury. But then you see him go back on replay again. You see him look at the shoulder. You go back again and look at it. You see he hit his elbow. The elbow is the bottom of the humerus. And so when he hits the elbow, that's jamming the top of the humerus, the head of the humerus, up into the labrum, the, the glenoid cat or glenoid fossa area in the shoulder. So you're looking at the rotator cuff. You're looking at the labrum that helps encase the head of the humerus in there for movement. You're looking at possible AC joint sprain. And then you start kind of putting pieces together and then like how they respond afterwards. So he left briefly, came back with a brace on, and you could tell he wasn't as favorable as moving that left arm around. So there's a few things he could still be dealing with. It'll get teased out as the season goes on and how he responds to what we're doing, what he's doing. But you just start kind of putting together, well, this is how we know historically how these injuries occur. And then what are the responses and, what were they looking at on the field there? So that's my whole process. I go through that. And that's what I did with Josh Allen. And that's why I came on the shoulder instead of the elbow and hand that maybe people mm-hmm. initially thought going on. What would you say your general confidence interval is when you diagnose an injury through uh, television? Obviously if I could do 90, yeah. If, if I could do 95%, that'd be great. I, I I'd say I'm better than 50%. I'd probably say I'm close to, Oh, the initial one, I'd probably say I'm 70, 80% in that range. That might be generous there because I can't go in and actually look at what's going on. But then you start putting the pieces of the puzzle together later. And that's something I should do and look back and see, hey, how, what was I right on? What was I wrong on? But, you know, that initial video impression, 
doesn't always tell a story. Sometimes it's how they manage the injury afterward that tells you more what's going on. So I'll give myself 70%. And what's wrong with that? Well, I'll say you were, you were definitely right about the Josh Allen shoulder because that's what the team is listing him as um, on the injury report is, is a, a, a left shoulder. Um, you know, for, for my sake, I've, I've had a labrum tear in the past uh, from playing hockey. Um, granted, I, I wasn't playing any high level. It was just men's league hockey and got tripped up the wrong way. So, you know, I'm not going through all the uh, things like what Josh and, and, and the, the pros might do, but in the case of Josh Allen, if it is a labrum tear, is that something that may require surgery for him at the end of the season? Or is that something that throughout the, 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 the season, he can build the muscles back up around that and maybe avoid surgery later on? There's so many different possibilities with that right now, only because we don't know how severe the labrum was torn the first time. And uh, usually see more of a severe tear with like a dislocation. I think he more or less subluxed it because, I, you know, you didn't see him like not able to move his shoulder at all. He's kind of like, okay, that hurt. So subluxation is a partial dislocation where it kind of pops up briefly and comes back in. So he could have a small labral tear. He could do stability exercises to keep that shoulder in place. And if he doesn't injure it further, he might not need surgery. But if he continues to take hits to the shoulder, if he lands on it again and causes further damage, then they might have to talk about surgery. So it's just really – depends on how much the initial damage was and then if he requires any or if he suffers any additional damage especially with his running styles he loves to absorb that contact and he might want to you know take that take that uh last yard and maybe put it out of bounds instead of you know ramming that guy to get that first down or something absolutely which which i think we'd all be kind of happy with at this point if he just <laughs> got out of bounds instead of Trying to truck through every linebacker and defensive lineman every every week. He's going to learn it the hard way, I guess. At this point, absolutely. Um, yeah. What about another, yep. another thing that we're seeing a lot of too is is John Brown's been on the injury report for the last couple of weeks with his calf, um, and I, I don't know if you've seen the video yet today or not, but there's a video from uh, from practice today where he caught a, a, a pass on the sidelines um, and came up limping pretty pretty good. Um, I mean, what, I guess, what can you tell us about calf injuries? It's something that John Brown was able to play through the whole game last week, but now it looks like he aggravated that again. I did see the video. He definitely did do something. I The video, I think it was John Scott from Spectrum had gotten, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it shows him kind of hopping up and definitely in pain, and you know, something happened. I couldn't tell whether he maybe landed on his toe funny or if it was more the foot, but he definitely wasn't. It was, it was the left side, and he was favoring that side. Uh, calf injuries can linger. The problem with that is because you require so much of that for running. I mean, that really with that toe off, when you're, when you're pushing off, you require the hip, knee and ankle to push off and, and advance stuff forward, but you get so much force generated from that calf that it just, it's easy to re-injure because you're using that so frequently there. So that goes into jumping. He's going to be needing that, uh, the pivoting, it's one of those things that can be healed up and then it still just flares up. So uh, muscle injuries, when they occur, it's a result of the, the muscle fibers tearing. Well, the, the body's going to put scar tissue down and this is all microscopic. So that scar tissue is not going to be as tough as the original tissue in there, or it's going to take a while for that to you know heal up properly. So while it's trying to heal back up and, and get back to now how it is, it's then weaker. 
So that's where we see it linger because hey, it might be healed up, but it's not as strong as it used to be. And then it could be re-injured easier as a result of that. So eventually the muscle heals up and gets back to normal there. But that's why I want to make sure we, we don't rush things back uh, rather than trying to play through these things. Yeah, he uh, so John Brown didn't practice yesterday. He was he was limited today, and you know, obviously from the video we could we could see why he was limited. Um, you know, and, and I guess the only other name that I've seen kind of pop off the list, but I don't think we've seen anything real major with him at least on the field is Tre'Davious White. He, I know he struggled with back injuries in the past. Looks like he's suffering again from another back injury. Um, I mean, I mean, do you know anything about his history of back injuries? I, I mean, have you? Have you had a chance to, to, to look into any of those ever? Um, I, I've looked into a little bit of that. I know he was doing some back stuff, I think, last year. I don't recall he had anything in college. Uh, this is something I dig into more because you know he, he's getting older. I know that he's going to require some veteran rest days. So that doesn't – it's all that concerning. But he was um, – he had shoulder last week. He has a back this week. I didn't see a thing on film a little bit today when I was looking, especially in the fourth quarter. He did play 100% snaps. So – Nothing's jumping out and saying, hey, this is what he did. And with the back injuries, they're tough to diagnose just because they don't quite – there's less movement in there. So, like, it could be taking a shot. You could be dealing with, like, kidney pain, for example, which would be a whole nother thing. But you could be dealing with just general back soreness from the tackling. There could be some herniation, which I can't tell from film. That's just – the team would know. So there's just so many unknowns with that. I don't have a ton of information. I'm certainly going to dig into that. So make sure you follow Twitter, uh, my timeline. And I might be able to, you know, parlay some of the information into that. But he's a mystery right now, and it's kind of frustrating. I just want to say for the record, Tredavious White is 25 years old. So, so to say he's getting older, that's just putting it all in perspective for the rest of us. <laughs> hey, it's fourth, fourth year in the league. I mean, he is he is getting up there. So in terms of football years. Yeah, that's true. That's right. That's right. What about uh, Matt Milano with that pec injury? Did, did you see anything on film that showed you where that w- came from? Yes. So he heard it with like just under 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter. He had tried to tackle Josh Jacobs. And so he kind of, he tried squaring up with Jacobs and Jacobs juked him a little bit. So he tried catching with his left arm and he got spun around and he went down. Unfortunately, that's how you tear a pectoral uh, muscle. What happens is you get the, muscle contracting so it's a concentric movement and then an eccentric movement is where the muscles lengthening under tension so when he's trying to wrap up josh jacobs he's contracting that muscle well jacobs is pulling his arm the other way into that eccentric movement so when you overload the muscle into that eccentric movement it can tear the muscle because you're putting it through maximal uh, tension so fortunately he didn't tear the pectoral muscle all the way like john feliciano did or we saw jj watt did last year so he definitely has a, a pectoral strain. I was uh, doing an article for Buffalo Rumblings, which should be released once this Titan stuff all uh, gets calmed down, that he's probably going to miss the next two games, potentially more, just because those things take time to heal up. It's a highly vascularized area. It's going to heal up faster than, let's say, some sprains like the uh, MCL or you know elbows, other stuff like that. But he needs that. It's so important that he needs that because he needs to wrap up his tackles. He needs to... Uh, uh, shed blockers. He's not going to be able to come back quickly because he could tear it further or he's going to be so weak that he just can't engage his uh, tackles and, and take them down effectively. Huh. 
When you say he, it's not as bad as some of the other guys we've seen, is, was that announced by a team or is that your take from video? That's my take from video and the fact that he hasn't been put on IR yet. That's my, my thought okay. process because most of the pectoral injuries we see, it's kind of like an all or nothing. I mean, there's a lot of strains that do occur, but some of the mm-hmm. higher level ones, you see them, you know, like the J.J. Watt, for example. He tore the pectoral muscle and he went to IR and regrettably he came back and you know he was the star of the playoffs but hmm. anyway anyway um yeah so but we, we see that when the pectoral injury happens when the football we see them tear more but the research does suggest that there's more strains i'm hoping he has a similar recovery to uh nick kwatowski i think he pronounced his last name right of the raiders he had suffered a similar injury in week one he missed the next two games and came back against us uh, in week four with a brace on and he, he played most of the snaps, but um, I'm sure he's still not 100%, though. Okay. I mean, I thought it was interesting in Sean McDermott parlance. He he immediately called them week-to-week. And in McDermott speak, there's there's only day-to-day and week-to-week. And if you're yeah. – kind of, like, you can be hurt pretty bad, and he'll still call you day-to-day. So for him to go week-to-week already, that was just, just a little red flag for me. Yep, and that – and I've, I've kind of learned, you know, when you say day-to-day, what that really means, week-to-week and – you know, it's week week to excuse me, week to week is never a good thing when you're talking with Sean McDermott, and he just right. wants to keep it general because you know competitive advantage and whatnot. Speaking of IR, you mentioned you know the fact that Matt Milano did not go on IR for his peck is kind of a, a, I guess a good sign. One guy that did go on IR this past week was Levi Wallace with his ankle. Mm-hmm. Um, what did what did you see on TV? I know I know you did a really good job on Twitter this week, kind of breaking that down and breaking down what you saw. But uh, if you just kind of, kind of reiterate and tell everyone, what did you see? Um, do you think it's going to be a longer than three-week injury? Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, it looked like on film a low ankle sprain, which I know doesn't sound great, but there are obviously grades of severity with sprains. So when you're looking at that, the problem with him is he tried to change the direction suddenly and he stepped back and the ankle rolled underneath. So he didn't even have a chance to kind of offset his weight or change direction so that he could um, move around better. So I think that's where that led to the greater severity. I initially, I thought he did something to his Achilles because you see that sudden change in direction. And then he went down and I was like, Oh crap. But then all 22 did a great job of showing where he was at. And um, they had another view that showed when he stepped backwards and the ankle rolled underneath. So he could be anywhere from three to six weeks, and they probably saw that on MRI and said, you know, let's just shut you down, try to get you right. We got Josh Norman back. Uh, most of the ankle sprains I've seen, you can get back and you know, tape it up and play through it, but this is one of the more serious ones that, hey, let's get you right rather than trying to trot you out there and you're hop around one leg, and you know, then you're more of a liability to get hurt further. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I know at the uh... – the video that the Bills put out post game in the locker room, you could definitely see him in the back on crutches, which, you know, at that point, I, I, I think was concerning for everyone to see him, him in crutches. But needless to say, um, Josh Norman, I thought, came in and, and, and had a good game at the number two spot. I'm glad to see him back back healthy. Oh, he did great. He, he looked like the, I wouldn't say Josh Norman of old, but he looked like he was healthy, which is an important thing. Absolutely. Nick, what, what you got anything else for? Yeah, Kyle, Kyle, I'm not sure how much time you have left for us here, but I, I wanted to ask you. So, I, I know you made a comment at the start about the reporters don't always, you know, know the medical stuff, which, which is fair. But I, what what can reporters 
ask of the coaches or what can they show you? Like what, what's a smarter way to go about that? That would just help all of us understand it better. Okay. All right. I, I don't know if you're asking the coaches, if that's going to necessarily do anything. Cause you know, like we see with uh, McDermott, he's not gonna, he's not going to tell you anything more than he needs to. That's just how it is. You could ask more specific questions, but I don't know if that's going to get you the answer there. Um, I mean, you could, they could always follow my page. That would, that would you know, answer <laughs> a lot of things, you know, shameless plug there. Um, the only thing I think of is maybe just understand basic anatomy and maybe just understand strains versus sprains. That's one of the things I get, I think get a lot of people confused is just understanding what a strain is, what a sprain is, and then maybe just some of the basic anatomy. I'm not asking you to go into understanding the arthrokinematics of the shoulder or, you know, the lateral versus medial meniscus, but even just understanding where the, the body parts are at, like how you're made up there, that could help maybe guide some of the questions. Like, okay, I know that the knee has the ACL and the PCL and also has the MCL and LCL. It also has a meniscus mm-hmm. and things like that. So maybe just kind of looking at, I mean, go to Wikipedia. I know that sounds you know crappy, but they're going to have pretty detailed pictures from uh, Netter's uh, anatomy atlas. And they're going to have a basic breakdown and say, Hey, here's what's in the knee. Here's the function or structures that you might need to know of. And then you can kind of start piecing the puzzle together. So uh, just know some of the anatomy that might help kind of guide some of the question making. And then, you know, strain is dealing with muscle sprain is dealing with ligaments. So when you're dealing with that stuff that can help kind of uh, better understand how, how to word things. And then that, I think that kind of parlays into that with uh, not as a better reporting, but just maybe have a better understanding of, of how to discuss the injury too. The tendon going with a strain? Uh, we see the, the tendons more with the strains there because the tendon attaches the muscle to the bone. Okay. I, I meant a tendon injury. Would that be classified as a strain instead of a sprain? Correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. Any other pet peeves out there that are constantly <laughs> messed up? Um, that, that's The strain versus strain is probably the biggest thing. Uh, I know the timelines are more from the sources. So I know that that's not really... And that's another thing that really helps kind of guide my decision-making process. So when I see person to be out, like Nick Chubb was supposed to be out, you know, three weeks or whatever, that's going to tell you kind of the grade on what's going on. And that's coming from the source. Um, and you put me on the spot a little bit, but I think, that, I think the strain of her sprain is one of the things I want to see that maybe just understanding some of the anatomy. Cause I think that help guide the question, or the questions to say, Hey, I saw you injured his shoulder. Did he, you know, injure maybe the rotator cuff or labrum and, I don't think McDermott's ever going to tell you that, but hey, maybe he slips up. We, we've seen him slip up from time to time with things. So maybe you catch him and say, or, or he's forced to, to say something more. I don't know. Yeah. But um, those are probably the two biggest things that just understanding some of the injuries and then, you know, the timelines that can help better understand how to report it there. So okay. I'm not telling you how to do your job, but here's some things that might make it easier so you sure. can do your job better. All right. Hey, Kyle, we appreciate that. I'm open to feedback always. Yeah. Yeah, and you got your brother too, so you know. Right. <laughs> Always someone to fall back on, just in case you can't get on uh, to banged up bills. That's right. All right. Anything else before we let you go? No, I think that's it. There. I think. Uh, I think we're. Uh, I think I covered everything I wanted to. I mean, I could talk for another two hours if if you wanted, but uh, we'll have to have you back later in the season again. Yeah. Hopefully, there's no more injuries, but you know, we'll we'll see what happens with this stuff, and then it kind of just goes from there. So. Cool. Um, when we have previous injury or when previous seasons where there's less injuries, then um, it always makes it easier on me. But I know like the injury report just came out. I got a lot of work to do tonight, but that's just kind of how it is. I think the bills are returning to the, uh, 
um, the the mean with regards to the injuries. Like we've been real fortunate not to have injuries over the past few years, uh, at least to the severity of some of the other teams. So I think we're starting to see that where it increases, and we're just trying to manage it. Fortunately, we have the depth to withstand some of that stuff instead of, um, you know, trotting out practice squad guys and free agents like we have prior to when McDermott and B came in. Cool. All right. Well, I- I have one more question for you that I was, you know, and Nick and I talked about this a little bit earlier on um, when we had uh, Brad Gelber on, but um, it seemed like the first couple weeks of the season, we're seeing a lot more guys going down with calf, groin, hamstring type of injuries. Do you think, in your opinion, is this a lot more from not really having a full preseason to really get their bodies going or is it just the the way the year's going at this point uh i think a lot of the soft tissue stuff the groins calves hamstrings that kind of stuff's related to the lack of preseason and i know the stars aren't playing a ton in the preseason uh but just to get their bodies warmed up weekly get them out there doing some reps that muscle memory and just getting them to accept the hits again you know i think we just kicked the can down the road with no preseason now we're seeing some of this Later on, I know that they're doing what they can to be ready, but there's nothing like being in game shape. Like, I don't care what sport you are. You have to play the game in order to be in shape for it. So um, it's a, a fortune kick the can down the road and we should start seeing some of the stuff taper off with some of the injuries, at least soft tissue wise, because their bodies are getting acclimated now, especially after week four, week five. Absolutely. It's definitely been frustrating for fantasy football this, this season yes. with so many guys going down early with, with calves and groins and, um, you know, and those soft tissue injuries. But, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's been a crazy start of the year. And obviously this week's not getting any, uh, any quieter with the Titans and everything going on there. So we'll see if we even have a, have a, a week five to talk about or not. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I will wait and see what happens. I'm surprised they haven't announced anything yet, but we'll just, Wait and see what happens. Absolutely. All right, Kyle, thank you so much for the time. If you want to follow me, it's at bills on Twitter. Definitely worth your file. Kyle, thank you very much. Guys, thanks for having me on. It was a blast. All right, Charlie. So that was a great interview. What was your, your biggest takeaway from talking to Kyle? Um. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I was – first of all, again, I, I love this guy on Twitter. I follow Kyle – you know, like I said, every every injury when as soon as there's an injury on Sunday, they're the first first place I go. Right um, from there, uh, I I thought he was great. I really liked how he broke down what he saw with the Josh Allen injury. I think um, you know, for me, there was a little bit of a calmness when he when he broke it down that way of him possibly for the most part. It sounds like not needing surgery at the end of the season, um, depending on, on what type of injury it is. So. So that's good. Um, and I really like how he broke down the whole Matt Milano thing because he's a guy that, you know, I, I missed him yesterday on the on the injury report. And when I looked today and, and you brought him up again, um, I saw him on there with the pack. And that's something I didn't I didn't see on Sunday. I didn't really see him get uh, get injured on Sunday. I might have missed it. Um, those 430 games, by the time those things roll around, I'm a lot calmer watching a 430 game than a 1 o'clock game. But um, – <laughs> But yeah, it, it's good to know that that Milano does not seem like he's going to be out long term, like the JJ Watts of 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 years past. So yeah, that was the, that was a good big takeaway for me too. I was worried about that. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 again, it's positive. It's good to see. Um, but we'll have to see what, uh, what the rest of the year brings, what this week brings, you know, it's, and we'll get into that as well. What to really look forward to possibly in week five, you know, um, but I, I appreciate Kyle coming on. It was a definitely a good conversation. Yeah, so we are taping this on Thursday. By the time you listen to it, maybe there is some news about the game happening or not happening. I got to tell you, the Titans keep pumping out more positive cases. I can't see this game being played. I agree, but at the same time, and I, I think Jeremy White tweeted it out. Um, and I just saw a tweet just now from John Feliciano. Before I get into the Jeremy White tweet, okay. John Feliciano just tweeted out, Y'all really think the NFL ain't going to get their games in? Where it was his tweet. So I know Micah Hyde said today as well that that they're really unsure of what's going on. Um, so we're waiting to see what really happens. But um, uh, Jeremy White, I think, said it best today. I'd rather see the NFL just cancel this game than have the Bills take a forfeit. And I understand that. I mean, I don't want to see the Bills get a uh, – conference win off of a forfeit but at the same time i'll, I'll take the five and oh <laughs> you know what, what are your thoughts really nick i mean i mean you're, you're you're speaking on pride like you want to earn the victory is what you're saying is that right i mean and what fan doesn't especially against the titans you know there's a lot of anger still there with the music city miracle and them buying uh votes to win the best fans in the league like <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of anger towards towards them in that. Yeah, that, I mean, that I don't know. We, that, yeah, but you're you're thinking about deep playoff run this year at four and zero. We just got off the phone with an injury expert telling us how many people have been hurt this year. I, if you really don't have to play a game, like take take the week off, take the W, put it in the bank. Like in a long term thing, like that would make sense. But uh, John Feliciano has an incredible point. Think about the NFL. What drives the NFL? Is it player safety? No. Is it money? Yes. So uh, when you add in, too, the, the NFLPA, I doubt, I strongly doubt the NFLPA wants to see forfeits. Um, the NFL like reiterated in a memo last week when they, they talked about COVID protocols that players will not be paid for games that are not played. And mm-hmm. if, if there's a forfeit in there, like, I don't know if, the, if they can go to court and argue that the bills should still be paid. I don't know how that's going to work. But I, I looked into this. If, if they don't play one game, I broke down how much everyone in the bills makes per game this year between their base salary and their active bonus. Stefan Diggs, if, if one game didn't happen, would lose $866,000. Tredavious White, 485000 you keep going down. These are sizable, sizable chunks of money people would not make if a game is canceled. So I cannot believe that the NFLPA would really want to see a forfeit in there and see people lose money. No, and I agree, right? And yeah, um, I mean, and, and it's hard to say as far as um, how everything has gone this year with no fans, right? I understand they're, they're going to lose money from the TV viewerships, very understandable. However, um, you know, there's no fans in the stands at this point. What What's it hurting canceling the game? And at the end of the day, player safety should be the number one thing this year more than ever. 
you know, it's you're you're, you're so unsure of what's going to happen with these players and you know who's really taking it seriously. And from all the reports that we've seen, it doesn't sound like the Titans have been taking this thing pretty seriously at all. They have been running practices. Now I'm hearing up to three practices once they close the facility and they had guys test positive. Three separate practices. Okay, how are you going to be upset at that, though, when the league didn't do anything about Tom Brady and the Bucks having all these technically illegal practices all summer? That's under yeah, that's true too. I mean, I and I and I I mean, trust me, I you can get mad at the league for that all you want. That, in my opinion, was a little different because they had no one test positive for COVID throughout the season. They weren't playing teams in July. You know, here you are mid-season, and you have one team that can't keep the masks on their face, that can't keep themselves um you know, quarantined and away from each other. And I understand, yeah, you need to practice. Yeah, you have a game coming up. But your game from last week was canceled because you guys – because your team couldn't stay healthy. You have a game this week coming up, and you have 13 players on a a, a COVID reserve list. I mean, at some point you got to say step it up. And and this is where the leadership side of things come in from Mike Mike Vrabel. He – you, you don't see this in mind. It's not something we would see from Sean McDermott. And something that you and I talked about last week was how McDermott and Bean seem to really, at least from what we see, you know, and, and you might see it a little bit differently through the media eyes, Nick, but, you know, for me speaking on the fan side of things, it seems like McDermott and Bean really have a strong grasp on their team and, really keeping them tight-knit and having them understand what the goal is. I think the low-key goal is to let's get through the whole season, right? Let's play 16 games and playoffs and so on and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. But obviously, you, you know, they're having a very good year this year. You, you can't forget the fact that the Bills right now are going into week five, four and oh, with a chance to go up, you know, possibly go up uh, 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 three games on New England. You know, it's it's um, it's a fairly big game this week for Buffalo, and with them having that opportunity, there it's it's not something that I feel like McDermott and and Bean are going to want to mess up in any single way, and and it seems like that culture that they've built there is on board with what um, Bean and McDermott are talking about. Now, unfortunately, the Bills are sandwiched in between two teams that have had COVID cases. You know, so far, luckily, knock on wood. Oakland's only had one case, but we'll have to see what happens in the in the coming weeks, you know, in the next 10 days or so. And the Chiefs had one, too, coming up next week on the practice yeah, squad. Chiefs, Chiefs had one, too, but I believe they haven't had anyone positive since then. Right. Um, which which is good news. Um, but, man, you want to talk about a team that right now that has it hard, it's the Chiefs. You know, depending on what goes on with this game, I, I would say maybe Buffalo's got a little bit more difficult. But depending on what what happens this week, but the Chiefs don't forget they played Monday night, they play Sunday, and then they're playing again on Thursday night. Like they got three games fairly quickly, back to back to back. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing the Bills have a week off before they go into the Chiefs. Let Josh Allen nurse that shoulder a little bit more, and let a couple of your guys come back and be healthy. I'm okay with that. As uh, one of the possible contingencies is if 
Uh, like you saw last week, a game got moved to Monday night. If if the Bills game had to get moved to Monday, they might even take the Thursday game and move that one to Sunday. But I feel like that's not the. I don't know. I I feel like moving the Bills game to Monday or Tuesday night doesn't fix anything. It doesn't fix the fact that the Chiefs have had guys again, two more guys today test positive for COVID. You know, if you need the Titans, that is the Titans. Not I'm, the sorry, Chiefs. I'm sorry, the Titans. You're right, the Titans. Um, you need three days. Am I correct, Nick? Three days of no positive cases. Um, honestly, I would have. To, I don't want to say the wrong thing here. If if you're if you if you're a player and you're asymptomatic, you need two negative tests to return. I think, but I I, I just don't want to say the wrong thing. I think I think as a team, you know, to open the team facility again, they need three days of the of someone on the team not testing positive again. So, okay. so right, so you look at three days. So Thursday they had a positive test. So let's say they no one tests positive Friday, no one tests positive on Saturday, no one tests positive on Sunday. Monday you're going to open the facility, even for the Titans' sake, they haven't had a practice in two weeks outside of the practices they they did that they shouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. All right, well, then flip that around. Put yourself in the Bills' shoes. If the league hasn't told you your game isn't off yet, do you think they would try to still get a practice in? I mean, right now, yeah. I mean, the Bills are are, are still well, – I know, but I'm saying, like, if if you were if your facility had to close, you don't think that the healthy guys would try to get together and do something? No, because I, I – in my, in my, and this is just my opinion. This is just how highly I, I, I think the players respect – McDermott and Brandon Bean as well, and and the process, no pun intended. But um, you know, I I think the players again understand enough of what is the goal this year, what where do they want to be, and what type of team they want to be, and a lot of that starts from the top down. And I don't know if the Titans and their coaching staff get the same respect from the players right now as what McDermott and Bean get. And they're two guys, and they, they don't walk around and demand that you respect them. But they treat every person in that locker room like a like a man, like a human being, like a friend. And it seems like every single player on that team respects them and loves them. And there's, there's a reason why players are on the gum here. There's a reason why Stefan Diggs, who was crowned a quote-unquote diva in Minnesota, has come here and not looked like one whatsoever through four weeks of the season. It has been, has been the furthest thing from a diva. And, I, I yes, some of that could maybe be his attitude. Yes, he's out of Minnesota. But I think a lot of that is also a reflection on the team and everything that the uh, Bean and McDermott regime is, is, is trying to do here. And he's bought into that. All right, let's go back real quick. Give me your uh, takeaways from last week, the win against the Raiders. So I said Josh Allen would throw for 300 yards, and he didn't. I was a little disappointed. <laughs> just missed it, though. Just missed it. I thought he, I thought he would get it. I thought for sure they'd let him throw maybe one or two at the end, uh, just to get him there. But I was okay with them uh, running the ball and, and and getting out of there and getting home, uh, especially with him taking that shoulder injury. Um, but all in all, man, I thought they played well. You know, the defense worried me. I I I put out a fairly angry tweet before I I, I thought about it. <laughs> about how upset I was getting with the defense and, you know, how the defense could very much lose this game for Buffalo. And, again, it's something that we're not used to seeing. It, we're not used to seeing this offense have to take the game by the horns 
and control the entire game. And and here we are again, week four. The offense for I'd say two and a half quarters led the team, led the way. And then finally the defense started forcing fumbles and and making plays. And you know, Josh Norman came in for an injured Levi Wallace, as we talked about before. And man, Josh Norman looked good. You know, for, for one he game did. back just get his legs back under him. He he looked good. And um I, I was excited about this week. Yeah, you know, we said Josh Norman, we, we picked him for an interception, and he had a forced fumble and fumble recovery instead. So I, I'm i going to just say we, we predicted a turnover and we got it, and I'm just going to pretend that's a win for us. I'll mark that one up as a win. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it, but at the same time, man, Josh, again, looked good. Um he made his one dumb pass that I think we've seen him make one dumb pass every single se- every single week so far. He made his one dumb pass. Luckily, didn't get intercepted. Um, but again, he looks good. He looks good. And uh, needless to say, MVP talks did nothing but uh, intensify at this point. So we'll, we'll have to really see what uh, what happens in the coming weeks and if Josh Allen can continue to take the steps tough schedule coming up for Buffalo. Let's not forget against some good defenses with Tennessee and and Kansas city, you know, back to back. Those are two good defenses, two good teams. And it's going to be a really big test for Josh Allen and and that offense. Yeah. I think we also, we got to give some credit here to the receiving core. They like every single week, they make some unbelievable catches that the bills teams would not have made in the past. I don't know, decade, maybe. Just every week, something insane. The Stefan Diggs catch two weeks ago. Last week, he had the the deep ball that was maybe a little bit underthrown. He goes back and out jumps the defender for it. The John Brown catch at the goal line, which I don't know how that's not a touchdown. The unbelievable catch. Like these are plays uh, that, you know, the last couple of years you've seen them not getting made. Balls get dropped. You're like, oh, that would have been a tough play. But you still like to see an NFL receiver catch that. I'm thinking uh, the Duke Williams in the end zone in the playoff game. He was like diving for a ball and it hits his hands and he doesn't catch it. And you're like, like, yeah, that's a really difficult play. I'm not like taking that, you know, not knocking you for it. But it would just be like there are NFL people who make that play. And how the Bills have them on their team. So I think that helps Josh too so much to know I can put this ball anywhere near there and my guy is going to go catch it. You got Cole Beasley a couple of weeks ago made it, made a sick catch. Yeah, people are going up for balls, and that gives Josh the confidence to chuck downfield and to say, "Oh, I got I don't know single coverage out there. I got I got fired twenty yards into a tight window because I have a cannon and I can." And you trust your guy to catch it? Like those are huge plays, and that's the difference between you know third and fourteen conversion on a scoring drive versus you punt and who knows how the game ends up. So we could be thinking a lot differently about this entire season if a couple of those big plays were dropped like they were in the last couple of years. You know, and and if if talk about Josh Allen's 100 yard game, Devin Singletary dropped one where he you know probably had six seven yards. John Brown dropped one where he may have had another six seven eight yards. Um, You know, I mean, then there there's Josh Allen's 100. Yeah, and actually, you saw it in the in the game. Zay Jones had a pass to him from Derek Carr that was like just out of his reach. And you're Mm -hmm. like, you can't really fault Zay Jones for not catching that. But like how many times in a career can you like 
just miss one before you're like, dude, we just need you to make the play. Like right. that's what the Bills had the last couple of years, and now they have one of the best receiving cores in the league. And I really think you can't discredit how huge that is for Josh Allen's growth. And it's funny you say that with with Zay Jones, right? I I felt like we've seen that song and dance a few times when he was in Buffalo of that exact same situation where it was just like, oh, it's just how Zay Jones's hands and, um, you know, at the end of the day, I I think we expected that game to really go the way that it went, and I think we expected Zay Jones to do what Zay Jones did. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, uh, the Raiders were a little depleted on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, they were a little depleted on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but I thought for the Raiders case, I thought they played a very good game. I don't understand all the hype with Derek, uh, Derek Carr. I'm, I never have, I've never really been a big Derek Carr supporter or fan. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, he's not a bad quarterback. I don't think he deserved to be the highest paid quarterback for however long he was right after his, 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 his first rookie contract. But, you know, he, he's, he seems like he seems like he's in a situation that Josh Allen's been in where they mm-hmm. need to continue to get him weapons. They got the running back. Um, yeah. They, they have a bunch of injuries too over there. Right. And they say, and they seem to be building a good offensive line, obviously, but older offensive line, you know, incognito's one guy and he was out hurt, but, uh, they have a very big offensive line. They got, I believe, the biggest in the league. Hmm. Uh, you know, when it comes to to weight and size, so very good team there. I I have a feeling that if um, I have a feeling that they they may win that division, um, and we we may see them again. The AFC West to the Raiders. Why the not? Chiefs are the Chiefs are in that division. Hey man, the, I have a crazy feeling this week the Raiders are going to beat the Chiefs. I'm calling it right now. Really. Be, All right, you heard tied. it here first. They'll be tied for the division lead, and uh, and yeah, then yeah. the Bills are going to beat them again, and then they'll be okay. All right, that's, we'll that's a hot take. I did not say the Bills would beat them. I just said, <laughs> but but I, I I could see the Raiders making a run, especially when they get back healthy. There, there's a reason why they were, you know, three and zero up to last week. They they didn't have, you know, maybe they maybe one easy game I'd give them, but the, they've had some tough games. And I think that they're they're a very, um, very good football team, and they're, they're going to continue to be a good football team. You know, something I didn't realize until after the game is you talk about Derek Carr and uh, like the longevity he's had with the Raiders. He, and you think of the, the Raiders' history all the way back to 1960, storied franchise. Derek Carr is the franchise's all-time leader in passing yards, and in the Bills game, he became the all-time leader in touchdown passes with 161. So I. I you don't you don't think Derek Carr, like pretty average quarterback, just happens to play for a long time in the most offensive friendly era of the NFL. He's the franchise leader. Like that just kind of blew my mind. And then I guess, you know, they haven't had as many people there, you know, quite as long as other franchises have, but he's their guy. They're rolling with them. I don't know. I like I, he doesn't scare me though. Like if the Bills play yeah. play the Raiders in the playoff game, you'd be like, Oh, Derek Carr, okay. That's how I thought last week too. Um, my my wife made a good point. Derek Carr looks like he smokes about three packs of cigarettes a day. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> but he's got um, that, that unfortunate hairline, I think. That's right. That's right. Maybe it's just the shaved head and the, the thin beard that he's got rocking. But he, um, um, he he doesn't scare me as a quarterback. But he's again one of those guys that, with a healthy offense, could be dangerous because he does have a Henry Ruggs who who has the ability to stretch the field. You know, 
he does have a good offensive line and he has a very good running back and, okay, and great tight end. Be a great tight end with Darren Waller, who's another guy that can really stretch the field. And we've seen Buffalo struggle with tight ends here in the past, and they struggled a little bit last week with him. But uh, you know, they kept him out of the end zone. But their other tight end, Jason Witten, uh, was able to get one into the end zone. So yeah. um, all in all, you know, another W for the Bills. Stay undefeated, um, you know. And hey, we're on to Kansas. We're on to Tennessee, maybe. Yeah. All right. Last thing on this game. If you listen to the podcast, what did we say? Bill's first half betting lines. Easy money. And what happened? Bill's came down, scored a touchdown, came down, scored another touchdown, Uh, covered the first half. Their first half point total was 13 and a half. Beat that easy. Mm -hmm. Just saying, if you trust the process in more ways than one. Uh, this week's game is not on the board because it's probably not going to happen. So I think you wanted to, to ask some season questions here before we ended up. If I am remembering our so, show talk, Nick, I want you to pick the bills, pick the season from, from, from here we are at week five. Okay. All right. So right now, uh, now the season's yeah. not canceled. I, I will go through each game with you. <laughs> Okay. okay. So, so the season's not canceled, and, and and Sunday is not canceled yet. So yeah. All right. Well, let, let me tell you uh, how we did it before the season. I I had three columns. It was games they should definitely win, games they're probably going to lose, and then like pushes. And I had them. I want to say eight and four, definite. Well, most likely win and loss, and then that would have been four extra pushes. So I had them about ten and six, and I think I had the. Jets, Dolphins, and Raiders were all in the win column, and the Rams were a push. So, honestly, I had them at, like, three and a half and half at this point. So, they're doing great. I'm excited about it. They're, honestly, over, like, only a half a game over where I thought they would have ended up. But I have a lot more confidence in them going forward uh, if this is how the offense is going to play. Yeah, and and we'll see, man. It's going to be a – I think I had them picked a 12-4 and at the beginning of the year. That sounds right. Um, you know that that's really what we're what we're looking at at this point. I I think that twelve and four is still a possibility. Um, maybe even thirteen and three at this point. But let's go through the final uh, twelve games of the season here, Nick. Starting with Sunday, Bills Titans one o'clock. Who you have? I gotta like the Bills this one to be honest with you. Titans are the defense is usually good. The running game is tough. Derrick Henry is a monster. The way the Bills have been playing, you got to pick them for the W. Especially I, with everything going on with tight, Titans this week. They got to be so out of sorts. You saw the Patriots were thrown for a loop this week. You got to like the Bills here if the game happens. And I always thought McDermott always um, played well against Ryan Tannehill when he was in Miami. Um, so, yeah, so Tannehill Tan never beat the Bills in Buffalo as a Dolphins quarterback, I think. Yeah, I, I believe I saw that same stat as well today on uh, the NFL Network this morning before all the COVID stuff broke. But, um, yeah, I'd go with the W this week as well. Um, I, I think for sure they're, they're, they're going 5-0 and this week if they play. So um, then we go on to Thursday night football, maybe Saturday night football. Uh, Bills, Chiefs, uh, Chiefs coming to Buffalo. Sounds like there's going to be no fans in the stands still. It that does change, but what what are your thoughts? All right, I had this in the loss column before. 
I'm going to move the Chiefs game to the push column. Could go either way. I think the Chiefs have been good but not dominant this so far this season. And the Bills look better. Like, given that it's at home, if it, if it was a road game, I think I'd still go Chiefs here. Because it's at home, I'm going to give it in the push. Okay. Which I'm surprised with myself, like, saying this. Because before the year, you're like, all right, Chiefs just won the Super Bowl. They have Mahomes. Like, yeah, the Chiefs are probably going to be favored to win. But I think that it can be close enough. And, man, if the Bills enter that game 5-0, and you want to see them beat the Chiefs. Like, this is, like, make your statement to the league, like, for real. Beat the Chiefs. Yeah, I think the Bills beat the Chiefs, make their statement to the, to the league. Um, and I, I think they go 6-0 and and, and really open up a, a, a big lead in the AFC East and take over first place in the AFC. By the way, as the Bills have a two-game lead on the Patriots, I saw Sakapacha tweeted that they haven't had a two-game lead at any point in the division since 1995. So hard to believe. Well, uh, maybe not because you know we had 1995. That's insane. That's a long time. That is a long, long, long. Time. Yeah, and I think the, the team they had the lead on was back when the Colts were in the division. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's a long time ago. Forgot the Colts were in the the Bills division. Yeah, that was before uh, they realigned when uh, the Texans came in 2002. That's right. That's right. Moving And moving the Colts out didn't really hurt us. I was glad that they kept the – I feel like the AFC East minus the Dolphins is really the only division that really makes the most sense geography-wise. Like, I really feel like they need to just move, like, Pittsburgh in the AFC East and move Miami into the AFC South at this point. Like – I don't know. That, that's just my opinion. That, that's a whole whole topic of conversation for another podcast. All right. Anyway, uh, so you think the Bills are going to start 6-0. Is, is that right? I think the Bills are starting 6-0. Do you know the last time the Bills were 6-0? 1993. It's happened one time in team history. It was the 1964 championship season in the AFL. One Ooh. time the Bills were 6-0. That was BC, man. That's before Charlie. <laughs> It was before what? Before Charlie. Before Char- <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, that, there's your joke, everyone, for the day. I'm here for till the end of this podcast. So All right, tip your you waitresses. Know. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, so I think the Bills are going 6-0 for the first time since the 60s. Why not, man? I'm all on the Bills train right now. Um then the Bills play the Jets in New York again with no fans. I got the Bills winning this one because who knows who's going to be quarterback at that point for the Jets. Who knows who the head coach is going to be at that point for the Jets. Um, who knows who the running back is going to be at that point for the Jets. But I think the Bills win that one fairly fairly easily, uh, go to 7-0. and All right. I'm going to put that in the win column as well. Okay. Uh, Bills, Patriots come to Buffalo. Um Cam Newton's first game against the Bills, against his uh, his old coach, his old defensive coordinator. Um, I don't know, man. I, I've had a toss-up with this one. I've been going back and forth with this one. But, um, you know, you, some some people might drop their jaws at this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take him for another win, man. All right. I'm, uh, I'll be honest. New England, it looks better than I thought they would have. So we're going to – if we assume Cam Newton is back by this point, I'm going to – actually 
I had home Patriots as a win and road Patriots as a loss. I'm actually going to move home Patriots into the push column, assuming Cam's back. If Cam's not back, I think they win easy. If Cam's there, I got it in the, the neutral column for now. I think Cam will be back. I think it's a matter of how healthy is Cam going to be when he comes back. You know, it, it, it's, it's one thing we've heard about this virus is you really don't know how it's going to affect you long-term. You know, you look at guys who have had it in the major leagues like a uh, – and I'm just saying this because I'm watching him swing the bat right now, but a guy like Freddie Freeman who, who had it. Um, and he's come back looking like a whole new, whole new player. I, I really hope Cam Newton doesn't come back like, uh, you know, in return to MVP form. But, uh, you know, I, I don't want to see anything major happen to the guy, so I'd, I'd be happy if he just came back back healthy. And truthfully, if the Bills beat the Patriots, I want to make sure, I want them to beat them with Cam. All right, that's fair. Who's next? But I have them winning that game. Um, <laughs> next is Bill Seahawks. I have – if there were fans at this game – It's a home or away? That's a home game. But if there was fans, I would take the Bills in this game – hands down and I think it would be a very close game but I just think uh, you know just got to keep feeding Russ man I really like uh, Russell Wilson this this year and I really like DJ D, DK Metcalf um, and Tyler Lockett for that matter I, I feel like their offense is scary good and uh, you know Jamal Adams has really brought some of that defense on the defense side of the ball for the Seahawks I'm gonna go with the Seahawks with that and that would be the Bills first loss of the year all right I had this as a loss before the season the way the offense is playing, and you're, you're going to notice a trend here, I think the Bills can beat anyone. So I'm going to have this in the push column also. Okay. Okay. Honestly, uh, if you had to, if you, you know, you've been talking about Josh Allen MVP parade here. Cam Newton, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Russell Wilson, probably, if you had to pick after four weeks, he would be the MVP of the league. So this game could have some MVP implications. Yeah, I mean, Russ, Russell Wilson, he's a guy I, which I couldn't believe never received an MVP vote. Crazy. isn't? I thought that was absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely crazy. Um, but, hey, I, I mean, I don't think Buffalo is going to be able to escape that game with a win, and, and they'll have to, uh, have to exit that one with a loss. Then they go to Arizona. Another four o'clock game. I'll probably be half asleep, but um, I think the Bills could win that. I think it's just really all about slowing down Kyler Murray at that point. Um, and I felt feel like this defense has done a good job against running quarterbacks. I thought they did a good job last year against Lamar Jackson. Um, obviously, Kyler Murray is a little bit shorter and a little bit more slippier, slippier if that's even a word. But we're going to make it a word today. Um, more, I, I think the Bills can beat the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm sorry, the Arizona Cardinals. I, I think they can beat them for sure. There's something something just feels weird about this one. Going to Arizona, that's one of the longer trips. I don't know. I'm going to put it in the push column. Something about Kyler Murray is uh, just – I don't even want to say scares me. He's just, he's just a unique talent that the Bills haven't really, really seen. He's got he's, – he's not the same in stature as Josh Allen, but he's – He's, he's the same dual threat where he's, man, he is gone in a flash when he takes off running and he still has this cannon, even even for how small he is. It's kind of funny just seeing this little guy just throw the ball. Like you could tell, you know, top baseball prospect as well, like with that arm, holy cow. So that's in the push column for me still. Just something feels weird about that one. Yeah, you know, I, I just really, really like um, 
the Bills offense again. And I think they can just keep it moving and, and keep playing really good, good football. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think Josh wins MVP. I think the talks are a little premature, um, but I, I, I think they, they, they can take a, make a run um, against the Cardinals and, and I have them winning that one. Um, then, then they come home and they, they have the chargers coming from LA second LA team to come to Buffalo this year. Kind of disappointing because I was really looking forward to seeing that uh, SoFi Stadium on TV with the, with the Bills there. But um, the Chargers come to town without Tyrod Taylor. I just saw a tweet uh, a couple minutes ago, Nick, that says uh, Tyrod Taylor is not going to be the quarterback for the rest of the season. They have given the reins to Justin Herbert. So Wow. So Justin Herbert comes to town to lead the Chargers. Um, what are your uh, thoughts? Win, loss? I, I have a win there. Yeah, I'm still going to put that in the win column. I was looking forward to the Tyrod uh, redemption game. Wouldn't it be cool? Cool is the wrong word. It would just be neat if uh, Anthony Lynn pulled the reverse Sean McDermott, took out his, you know, the starting quarterback in the middle of the season for no good reason, put in Tyrod Taylor just for the Bills game and uh, let the redemption story happen. I you would know, watch the heck out of that. You know, the, so so I'm looking at something that Field Yates just tweeted out as well. Tyrod Taylor has now lost his starting job three times. First to Nathan Peterman in Buffalo for one game. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, don't forget, Tyrod Taylor is also pulled in the – or maybe injured – but in the Jacksonville game in the playoffs for Nate Peterman. And he was injured in that game. Okay. So Nate Peterman came in and threw an interception to Jalen Ramsey and ended all hopes for the Bills. Um, then he then he was uh, injured with a concussion, and Baker Mayfield took over and held on to that starting position. And now Justin Herbert is now the team uh, starting quarterback after a doctor accidentally punctured his lung. Like, unfortunate luck for Tyrod Taylor. I know, man. Tyrod's a good guy. I mean, that sucks. He really is. He really is. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the NFL, but that sucks. Yeah. I, I and, and it's it sucks for Tyrod because I think, you know, all all Bills fans. I don't think he left a sour taste in anyone's mouth. I think everyone liked Tyrod as the person. It was just a matter of um, Tyrod, the quarterback. Some people weren't too fond of. Yeah. All right. So I got a win there. Who's next? Bills Niners. Home or away? Uh, at the 49ers, it is a Sunday night game or Monday night game. That is the Monday, Monday night game night. against the Niners. All right, dude, the Niners look bad this year. I'll say it. They uh, lost the Super Bowl. They have so many injuries. It looks like things could get bad there quick. And I know that they, they played uh, – well, they got Kittle back last week, and he had like 15 receptions or something insane. Jimmy G could be back this week. Something still feel, feels off there, man. This uh, What once felt like a definite loss is quickly becoming a push for me. The Bills, I think, could win that game for sure. I think it's a winnable game, um, but I, I, I'm going to take the loss there. I think it's a, a game, much like you said. I, I think you could really push that game, Nick. I think that can go one way or the other, um, but – if I had to pick a winner or a loss, I'm going to take a loss there for for Buffalo. Okay. 
Um, then, then they have Sunday night uh, against the Steelers in Buffalo. Uh, the Steelers are looking pretty good. Big Ben's, you know, not looking like MVP Big Ben, but he's looking like maybe comeback player of the year Big Ben. Um, I, I, I'm going to take it a loss there as well. A losing streak of Charlie yeah. Wachowski's mouth. Unfortunately, I never thought I would see the day. I'm going to take two losses there for for back to back. All right, man. Listen, you, this is probably going to sound lame coming across in the podcast. I I'm not putting any games the rest of the way in the definite loss column, given how well the offense has played. The Pittsburgh game is going in the push column. We're going to split them up later. Half are going to be wins, half are going to be losses. But there's no game I feel is out of is unwinnable for the Bills. Even Kansas City, even Baltimore, they're all going in the push for me. Well, let me ask you this, Nick. So, so the way the Bills' defense is played, uh, obviously, I think we've seen the offense having to carry the team enough this season. But the defense, for that matter, if the Bills' defense doesn't take steps forward in the coming weeks, how much does that affect these games going up? Because you, you, you look at a team like the Seahawks, and you look at a team um, like the Steelers and the Chiefs, for that matter, um, that can really – and have at times this year scored at will just been able to just get downfield and put the ball in the end zone and do it quickly on multiple um, drives in a row. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a concern. You know, at some point the bills offense is just not going to have it that day or the defense is going to throw something new at them that they aren't ready for. And it's going to be ugly here, here and there. So far, that hasn't been the case. So far, the Bills look like they're never out of a game. So, yeah, that really worries me. But as far as, like, you know, we could be in for a lot of games, kind of like the Rams game, where it's like, all right, whoever scores last is probably going to be ahead because it's just insane, insane scoring game with no defense. So that's a concern. But, like, doesn't worry me that they won't be able to win a game. It's just like we just might be in for some more ridiculousness the rest of the season. Which is kind of exciting, not gonna lie. You you'd like a comfortable win, but we could be in for some more roller coaster uh, Sundays. I think so. I think it's gonna be a. Uh, uh, it, it's all gonna be what that defense does, right? What does uh, what steps do the Bills' defense make? What uh, where do they take steps forward this year? I thought this past week, uh, the second half especially, really showed how good this defense can be um and and if they can continue to take the necessary steps forward i i think uh the defense may end up winning the bills one or two of these games here um whether it is the chiefs game the the seahawks yeah. game there's going to be a game where the defense is going to have to play at 2019 bills defense level it's going to mm-hmm. have to happen yeah the offense bailed them out you know at least once already so Maybe more if depending how critical you want to be, but yeah, that title it'll come back around at some point. I think so. I, I it, it'll be interesting. Um, but I, I, in all honesty, man, I'm looking at the last three games for the Bills. You got the Bronc at the Broncos, at the Patriots, and home versus the Dolphins. Um, I have the Bills winning all three. The only way I see them losing to Miami is if Matt Barkley or Jake Fromm is starting at quarterback and they are playing practice squad players on either side of the ball at that point um, for, for resting everybody for the, for the playoffs for the first round by. 
Um, I'm going to put Denver and Miami in the win column, and New England is going to go in the push column again because they are better than I thought that they would be. Okay. So I'm looking here. If you're if you're counting home, I got with the four wins they already have. I have Tennessee, Jets, Chargers, Broncos, Dolphins all in the win column. That's nine wins just with games that they should win. Then I got seven in the push column. Man, that is you know if you want to split it, split it in half there. Three and a half each way. That's twelve and a half and three and a half. That is way better than I would have picked the Bills. That's better than you picked the Bills. Okay, that, that's how I know I'm getting ahead of myself. That's better than you picked the Bills for before the season. Yeah, man. Yeah. If you want, so man, twelve and a half and three and a half with uh, some some margin of error. And this is all assuming Josh stays healthy. Um, if you really want a hot take, I'm gonna predict the Bills for. Um, 11 and four final, and I'll say that there's one game that does not get played this season due to COVID. Wow, okay, 11 and four final. Do so, so I think going through everything, I am looking at a 12 and uh, 12 and three season for the Bills. Um, are you not counting a COVID game as well? No, I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think a COVID game is one game will get canceled at some point. Oh, wow. All right. So we're, we're in agreement on this now. This yeah. is, uh, I mean, this might not happen. This this is the, the sense of, of the week here. We're in week five. We feel fairly confident that at least one game will not happen this year due to COVID, given the way things currently stand. And for what it's worth, I am checking Twitter every two seconds. <laughs> just, just so you know. Yeah. All right. So, so give me your final record again. So my final record is twelve and three, but if they do not cancel the game, um, it is going to be thirteen and three for the okay. Bills. All right, so you are up a game from the start of the year. Yep. All right, I'm up. I'm up a lot of games, man. I gave them. I was giving them ten and six, like a solid ten and six. Last year, I thought they overachieved a little to become ten and six. I was giving them solid ten and six this year with room for more, and I got them. Man, we're looking. We could be looking at the twelve win team, man. This is this is incredible. Is there anything before we wrap this up? Is there anything like new on Twitter that's going to make us sound dumb immediately <laughs> that, here? That I am like checking every two seconds. So, <laughs> um, Thad Brown just tweeted out um, from that, uh, Channel Eight in Rochester from Wham. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, that Mike Florio was on a radio station and he said a higher up with another team guesses that the Titans GM and Titans head coach will get suspended for the rest of the year. Rest of the year? The rest of the year. Wow. The Titans will lose a first round pick and get a $10 million fine. Man, this sounds like almost too much to believe like that's suspending gm and a coach for the year huge losing a first round pick huge did you say 10 million dollar fine 10 million dollars that, that, that just sounds like hyperbole <laughs> all three of those things like that's man i remember I, when, the, when the ncaa was like oh you can't give penn state the death penalty like th- this is like that's near the nc the nfl level the death penalty i wouldn't like there, there I, won't be a stiffer penalty the NFL has ever given it. Like that's that sounds insane. But like, you, could, I mean, especially you, because because the NFL 
was so like lax in their COVID policy. They're like, should we have, should we have a league wide thing? Uh, why doesn't every team just like make up their own, submit it and we'll approve it. Why is like, they've taken like, they've been so hands off on this when we would have appreciated some leadership that, 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 just, that seems too harsh for me. Do you blame them though, Nick, in all honesty, think about it. You, you have one team in the league that, if, if, if they don't start following protocols, the new protocols that the NFL put out and, and everything could ruin the entire season for the other 29 teams in the league. Yeah, right? I mean, I was I was here half an hour ago telling you I thought making them forfeit this game would be too harsh. So this sounds way past that. Really? So, so let's say now the NFL comes out and says, on top of that, you have to forfeit this game on Sunday. Yeah, that I mean, that still sounds harsh to me, to be honest. Like, I don't think the NFL and the NFLPA want to see a forfeit. I just don't see any way that that Bills, that the Bills players and coaching staff and anyone in 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 that Bills locker room could go into to a game this week and say that they are are fine with playing. At some point, a person's health—I don't care how much money they're making a person's health is worth a hell of a lot more than a paycheck. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you there, but does it seem like the NFL has taken that stance so far? No, not, but they. Th- this is really the first time that they've had more than a one-player outbreak on a team. You know, yeah. not, not, now the Patriots have two players, um, but I thought it, not to give credit to the Patriots, but to give credit to the Patriots, I thought they handled everything fairly well when they got Cam's diagnosis, right? They decided we're going to take two planes and all the f- people who are close to cam are going to be on one plane. And all the people who weren't close to cam are going to be on another plane. And one of those guys that was close to camp, Stefan Gilmore tested positive. So there's your second guy that tested positive on, on the Patriots so far, knock on wood for them. There haven't been any cases uh, outside of those two. So I'm, I'm, I'm I, I, you have 13 positive cases just in players alone, 22 total on on, on the team. When you count from you know other personnel, how do you not do you you have to make an example? You have to make an example of this team. That that's your only choice. Yeah, I just, I just feel like they haven't they haven't gone out of their way to like be authoritative on this all summer and be like we're gonna make an example out of it. like that. The NFL just doesn't seem like they they're gonna come down that hard without warnings. Like that would be catastrophic to that franchise and Roger Goodell really works for the 32 owners. Like, I don't, I feel like he would be very hesitant to really, really like screw over one of his 32 bosses that way. I I don't know. I mean, and maybe not the whole $10 million. That's fine. Yeah. I don't think they need to be fine. $10 million, but I'm fine with them telling the head coach and GM, you guys are done for the year and you guys have to call up the first round pick. If that's the way they're going to go, man, maybe like maybe like, okay. If they did one of those three things, that would be a massive penalty. All three of those, I cannot see happening at all. If, if one of those three happened, that would still be massive. I think they need to do two of the three outside. And I would, the one I would take out is the $10 million fine. Other than that, I, those are your only options. You have to make a statement now before it's too late. You're going to have players who, and there's players much like what we see out and about every single day. They don't give a damn about wearing a mask. They don't, they don't care what happens. Oh, if I get it, I get it. How many times have we heard that? 
And there's players like this on each team that, that don't care. But they, they're also forgetting they're not going to get paid if they don't play a whole season. They need to play. They need to stay healthy. And you and I talked about this this week over text. They, there's too many players to do a bubble. So an NFL bubble right now is out of the question. There's too many people, you know, you're looking at just by, um, you know, by, by my quick math that I did, just practice squad players alone and, and, and full rosters, just in players, you're looking at over 2,000 people in the league that you got to find, try to find to put in a bubble. That's Good not going to work. That's yeah. not going to work. Good luck. So, by the way, by the, just real quick on that, it's also not really fair to tell people we're ripping you away from your family for three months to live in a bubble. I think a ton of people would opt out if that was really the case. And I know that like the easiest comeback to that is like, well, they're millionaires. Like they're, first of all, they're not all millionaires. Like the top guys you hear about, there's a lot of guys make like minimum salary is still great, but it's not like they're set for life on that. And also, so what if they're millionaires? It doesn't mean they don't have responsibilities to their family or to their children. Like you can't, it's not right to just rip people away like that. And you can't bring their families and kids into the bubble at that point. Right. I mean, yeah, that would take the bubble from 2000 to 5,000. Like I am curious to see what major league baseball is doing right now with the bubble. You know, obviously they're, they're, they're stripping yeah. for the playoffs. That's shorter though. Like, like a shorter thing, like you it's more acceptable to say, okay, this is going to be for a week or two, like a short thing that has an end date, like a playoffs, especially if families can be there, is a lot different from like, oh, yeah, just a couple months through the end of the season. And, you know, we don't know what's going to like too many variables. There. Like I was really surprised Major League Baseball uh, got that to work the way that it did. Um, but, I mean, that was only two months. The, you know, football season, we have more to go. And I'm like I said, man, it's going to be a you got two more months of this, and then what another of regular season, then what another month, month and a half of playoffs. You know, it's it just it's too much time for playoffs. I think they need to figure out a way to do a bubble, whether you do the all the AFC teams in one spot and NFC teams in another spot. Yeah, playoff bubble could could happen, but at the same time, the whole season at the same time, you got to find practice facilities for everybody. You got to find weight rooms. You got to find all that stuff where each team's going to be able to go. Um, and maybe it's something to reach out to the NHL because let's face it, the NHL did a really, really good job with their bubble. <laughs> the NFL championship in Canada. Can you imagine? That'd be great. That'd be great. But uh, yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what happens this week. I'm hoping no crazy news breaks within the next 10 minutes when we, when we finish this. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a. Uh, a crazy, crazy couple of days here. Um, and hey, shout out to the Atlanta Braves who look like they are about to go to the NLCS for the first time since the 90s. Things are getting crazy here in Atlanta, man. Man, I've been watching the Yankees race series. I've never heard of Randy Arazarena before the last three days. This dude is like, he's logging over a thousand in the playoffs. Like, I'm just tired. This dude comes up. I'm like, oh, how is Randy back up again? Like this guy kills. It's been killing the Yankees. Unbelievable. Tip my hat to him, but holy cow, could they gotta throw into this guy or something? Just get him off his game. This is ridiculous, dude. It's it's a uh, the the Major League Baseball players has been absolutely ridiculous. Um, it's been enjoyable to watch, but I'm really hoping 
um, the A's can pull out another victory. I, I don't want to see the Astros and the ALCS at all. Yeah. If we see an Astros raise ALCS, I may lose my mind. Like straight up. So I'm you not. You might a, lose your mind. I mean, they're both winning their series, so you might lose your mind. I might. It's got. I have a feeling it's going to happen. Listen, keep keep your brain in there for the Bills Super Bowl run. All right. That's right. That's right. I got to keep something together for for when this happens this year. Yeah. But with all that said, man, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks to Kyle from at Banged Up Bills on Twitter. If you guys don't follow him, make sure you do. Um, also, if you don't follow Nick. Make sure you follow Nick at Nick Veronica on Twitter. I finally got it right. Um, Nick had a really good tweet this morning, like he said about how about how much money each player is going to lose if this game Sunday is not played. Nick's always on Twitter with the fire takes. So thank you. Make sure you that follow was nice. Nick at, at Nick Veronica. Uh, and if you just want to follow an everyday Joe like me, you can follow me at Chawit sixty eight on Twitter. Um, and as always. Follow, like, subscribe to The Process at the underscore process pod on Twitter or uh, like, love, subscribe, all that good stuff on iTunes and Spotify. And feel free, always message us questions, comments, concerns, anything. We are open to listen to you, the people. And most importantly, remember to always trust The Process. Go Bills.